Good morning. Good morning. Welcome, church. It's wonderful to see you guys this beautiful morning. Even though it's cold, I know some people are not loving the cold. I like it. It's nice. All seasons in their time. If you would stand with us, we're going to sing, but first I'm going to pray. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity to gather together in your presence with your people. We are so grateful to be here this morning. God, I just ask that you would fill this place with your presence, that you would help us to fix our eyes on you, that any distractions, any stress, any worries that we brought in here with us this morning, God, that you would help us to lay those aside, really to lay those at your feet to trust that you're big enough, that we're here for you. Help us to remember, God, and help us to worship you. Lord, may our offering be pleasing to you, God. We know that it's, it's not about the singing and the music and, and whatever else we're doing here. God, it's about the heart. You know the heart. So, Lord, I just ask that you give us your Holy Spirit as our guide to show us the way, to draw us into worship, to draw us into your presence, to hear the teaching of your word, to receive it. God, we're so grateful for you. Lord, thank you. Amen. Let's celebrate this morning. He's a good God, amen. Flood our thoughts with 
sufficient God. Amen. Everything we need. Sometimes that doesn't feel true, but we declare it by faith anyways, because we know that it is true. And we ask God to just help us see that in our daily lives. So I'm going to read a call to worship. Um, Dave, if you could play some music behind us here, we're just going to read briefly from Psalm chapter 92, the first four verses. That might be the whole thing. I don't know. A Psalm, a song. For the Sabbath day, it is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. Today we have a guitar for you instead. A couple guitars, actually. For you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. Amen. We choose to sing for joy this morning to celebrate the good things that God has done. Even if they're not right now, we know that all of us, we all have those good things in our past because he's faithful. So let's dwell on those things this morning and celebrate. Amen.
for Jesus there's nothing impossible for you when all I see are the ashes you see the beauty thank you God when all I see is a cross God you see the empty tomb so when I fight I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high oh God the battle belongs to you and every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night oh God the battle belongs to you go before us nothing can stand against the power of our God you shine in the shadows you win every battle nothing can stand against the power of our God an almighty fortress you go before us nothing can stand against the power of our God he shines in the shadows you win every battle nothing can stand against the power of our God an almighty fortress you go before us nothing can stand against the power of our God you shine in the shadows you win every battle nothing can stand against the power of our god so when i fight i'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high oh god the battle belongs to you and every fear i lay at your feet sing through the night oh god the battle belongs to you oh god the battle belongs to you amen we settle into a quiet moment to sing our weekly hymn, amen. I know some of you wait for that. We love it.
take a moment as we transition here. We're doing a new song. I did post this song for those of you who had a chance to listen to it, but I just want to say something about when we're doing new songs. If you don't know them and you're like, whoa, there's a lot of words. I don't know the words. I can't sing this song. Here's a cool thing that we can do here. There's a couple things that you can do, but I just want to encourage you that worship is more than singing, right? We know that. Worship is more than singing. You don't have to sing to worship God in your heart. So if we're singing a new song and you don't know the words, feel free to just worship him in your heart. Listen to the words. I like to say that we're going to sing it over you. We're going to sing these truths. Let the, Just sit in it. Enjoy it. Let it permeate your heart. If you do know the words or you're catching on because we're going to sing this chorus a few times, feel free to jump in there. And then if you lose it, just fade right out. And no one's going to know. It, you know. You're not up here. You're not on the mic. It's okay. You guys just feel the freedom to worship however you want. You know, we've got these altars here. These beautiful altars are open. Your seat, you can, you can kneel, you can stand, you can sit. Whatever feels comfortable to you, whatever feels like the Spirit is drawing you to in your worship, but take these opportunities to stretch yourself. You don't have to know all the words for this song to bless you. Amen? So we're going to sing this. It's a good song. It's perfect for the Luke series that we're doing. There was an entire album that I just highly recommend that was written about the gospel. So we're going to sing these words, and you're going to be reminded of truths that Pastor Nicole's been preaching to us for the last few weeks. And let's just allow ourselves to be reminded to just worship God for who he is and Jesus for who he was and what he did. Amen. Let's do it. Thank you. 
Sir. 
searching one thing remains true jesus is still our good news amen amen i hope you guys know that there's nothing you could do that makes that not good news nothing is too great to separate us from him amen i received that this morning thank you so much <laughs> You may be seated. I know you're hanging on by a thread there. (laughs) Uh, I do want us, though, to remain in a posture of worship, and um, we're going to enter into a time of prayer now. Um, And this time of prayer is for all. And I don't want us to rush through this time. There's kind of a joke sometimes, I don't know, you probably know this, that Pastors tend to pray too long or preach too long or whatever, but um, sometimes I think it's good that we just welcome a time of prayer where we can just linger for a little bit. Um, And then there are times, too, where as the pastor, as the leader, I just want to be on the receiving end of that, right? And so um, I just want to invite you to just sit for a moment. I feel like I need to just pause for a moment and let the Lord speak to me and speak and encourage my heart. And so if I'm quiet for a moment, don't be startled or wonder what's going on. Just join me. Join me in prayer as we open ourselves up to hearing from God, because so often we rush from one thing to the next, and we don't allow enough time to just sit and soak up and hear from God. And I don't want to miss that. And so I just want to invite you Take a posture that is comfortable for you. If that's sitting at your seat or coming forward and praying at these altars, you are always welcome. No judgment. You're just welcome to come and take a posture of surrender before the Lord. But let's just spend a few moments hearing from him this morning. Let's pray. God, we just invite you to speak to us, Lord. We don't rush this moment. We lay our own agendas aside. And in this moment, I don't even come with with words that have been planned. Instead, we wait for the Lord. We wait for you, God. God, we thank you that we can come to you broken and hurting. 
We're all flawed. And God, we can all come before you just honest with what's broken in our lives and identifying the places where we so desperately need you to speak truth and grace. God, we need to take a moment to hear from you about who you say we are. Because chances are so many of us came into this room believing lies about who we are. We tend to believe lies from the enemy that remind us of how flawed we are. We're not good enough. We'll be broken forever, unredeemable, too far gone, too messy, too much, too little, not enough. And God, we take a moment to allow you to rewrite our story, to rewrite our truth. And God, we acknowledge that on our own, we're not enough. And we do fall short. But God, your word reminds us that you came to give us life to the full. You came to give us life abundantly. And you do rewrite our story. You give us a new name. You call us forgiven, redeemed. You call us yours. God, we just sit in the truth this morning of who you say we are. And we thank you, God, for this good news. This good news that is for all. For the the long-time, lifelong Christian in the room. And for those who are still trying to figure this whole thing out. Those who are still searching. Those who are hesitant. God, we just continue to open ourselves up to you. God, would you be with those this morning who are here, who are broken and hurting? Life has been challenging for many in this room. It seems as if they've gone from one hard thing to the next. As soon as they make it through one difficult thing in life, the next thing is already coming quickly. God, would you just help those who are hurting and broken and overwhelmed? Would you help them to experience your peace? God, would you help them to rest and dwell in this moment in your goodness? Because you are here and you are inviting all of us to draw near to you so that we can receive your love and your grace and your mercy. 
God, we long for more of that this morning. We long for your strength. God, through your strength and only through your strength, we can face those difficult things that come our way. We can choose to question. Certainly, we can, we can wallow in our self-pity and we can say, why me? Why does this always happen to me? Why is it always me and mine? Or God, we can choose to fix our eyes on you. Reminding ourselves through, through your divine reminder that you have always been faithful. And you will continue to be faithful. Scripture is full of stories of people who struggled, who didn't have it easy. Some of them did say, why me, God? And you welcome that. And you speak into that. But may we be willing to to hear and receive what it is that you say in response. And at the end of the day, may we have the faith to say, I surrender all. It is well with my soul. And you are faithful, and I put my hope and trust in you. Not in what I can see or feel or touch. But we put our faith in you, God, who have you have proven yourself to be faithful. And we thank you and praise you for your faithfulness. God, we just continue. This is the season of of sickness. And we just continue to remember those who are wrestling with sickness, who are at home under the weather, those who are just still fighting off those colds and, and such. God, would you, would you just give them a divine touch this morning? God, we pray for healing and rest and restoration for our bodies, for the bodies of those who are, are sick, who are tired and weak and weary. God, we thank you that you you do care about our souls, but you also care about our bodies. And so, God, we we pray that you would. Would you physically touch those who need that this morning? God, as we open up your word in just a moment, God, would you just illuminate your word for us as we wrestle with a, a... complex passage, one that is quite dense. God, would you help us? Would you help us to have the ears to hear? Holy Spirit, would you speak to your church? This is a word for your church this morning, and I just pray that you would anoint this word, that it would be your word for your people, and that we would all take the posture of openness and humility and that we together would be willing to receive this word and to to wrestle with some of these challenging things as the church. God, we just thank you. Thank you for letting us come into your presence and just be. 
we thank you for your faithfulness. For those who are searching, God, would you just continue to make yourself known? Make yourself known to us this morning, God. We love you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. 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 Thank you, Dave. Always appreciate you leading us through that. Well, this morning, we are going to jump right into our reading. For those of you who are just joining us, or maybe you haven't been here in a little while, maybe for some of you, you haven't been here in maybe a few weeks or several weeks due to traveling or sickness or whatever, and you're like, we're still in the Gospel of Luke? (laughs) Weren't we in the Gospel of Luke like months ago? That was funny when Nikki said that earlier. She said for the past few weeks, and I was like, although it feels like the past few years, if we're being honest, (laughs) Um, but we are... Uh, nearing the end of our series in the Gospel of Luke. And this morning we're going to be reading uh, quite a lengthy passage from Luke chapter 21. So I am going to invite you, if you are able, to stand this morning as we read the word of the Lord. And we're going to read from Luke 21, starting with verse 5, reading through verse 19. And this is the word of the Lord from Luke. He says, Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, Watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and famines and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison, and you will be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair on your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. This is the heavy word of the Lord this morning, but are we thankful? Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This is one of those where you might say, well, it just depends on where this is going, on whether or not I, you know, that determines how thankful I am for this word. Uh, This was a big one to wrestle through when I saw that this was coming up on the lectionary, which is what I've been following, that the lectionary has been really helpful and instrumental in guiding us through the Gospel of Luke. And so this is one of those that when I saw it coming up, I was like, 
do I or don't I? <laughs> because it's really tempting to just pass this one by. But what I am thankful for is just the, the push to wrestle with the hard, challenging words um, for, for uh, not as well-educated pastors uh, like myself. Um, but I did lean heavily on the words of others this week as I tried to wrestle with and process through this passage. So as I said a few moments ago, uh, we're nearing the end of our time in the Gospel of Luke. In fact, this is, you've been waiting for it, this is the next to last week in this series. Next week, uh, we will culminate with Christ the King Sunday. Um, for, for those of you who might be interested, we do follow the rhythms of the Christian calendar most of the time. And Christ the King Sunday is a big deal because that signifies the last Sunday on the Christian calendar. And we will turn over onto a new year of the Christian calendar calendar the following week with the first Sunday of Advent, which we all can't believe, but here it is. And so, um, as I said, we're nearing the end, and at this point in Luke's gospel, Jesus has arrived. He is in Jerusalem. He has arrived in Jerusalem. He's had his triumphal entry, and he is now in Jerusalem teaching and preaching in the temple. You'll notice Luke's detail that, that they're in the temple. Jesus is teaching in the temple, and the disciples take a moment to admire the temple. They take a moment to point out all of the beauty and the splendor of the temple. And I thought this was such an interesting detail because it's a little bit of a peek, I believe. I, I love how Luke pays attention to detail because to me, this was a peek into the eyes of a Jewish person who looks at the temple as something to be completely revered and adored. Listen, what you need to pick up from this is that the temple was a big deal, to put it lightly, to those in the nation of Israel. It was a huge deal to them. It was, it was an important structure for them. And so I love how the disciples, upon arriving at the temple, they're just taking a moment to take it all in. And they're just like, oh, this is just so beautiful. Look, Jesus, look how beautiful. Can you even get over it? Can you even believe how beautiful this temple is? It's a part of our, of our heritage, of our history. It is everything we are as a Jewish nation, as the nation of Israel. Jesus, look. And I love how Jesus so lovingly and carefully and calmly just kind of bursts their bubble, doesn't he? He just bursts their bubble in that moment as he tells them, well, by the way, don't become too attached because it's not too long from now that this temple is going to be gone, torn down. And just to make sure that the message is clearly received, there will not be a single stone left, okay? Just a wall. You get a wall. That's what you get. There's not a single stone left. This whole temple will be completely destroyed. And you have to kind of understand, again, just all that the temple represented for the nation of Israel as you put yourself in the shoes of a disciple and understand how shocking and overwhelming this is, what Jesus has just said. And you see them kind of scrambling as they hear this news that the temple is going to be destroyed. How cruel of Jesus to share this. And they're so caught off guard that they're just like, well, well when? When is this going to happen? We need to know more. This is shocking. We need to understand more about what's going to happen, Jesus. To put it lightly, I'm sure there's so much more 
chaos that, that happened in that moment as the disciples were processing this information. And as we just read, Jesus walks through some kind of specific instruction and warnings in the verses that follow. I wonder if you found these verses that follow familiar. I found them to be familiar because, and I'm just kind of speaking for myself here, these are some verses that are used quite a bit when things in the world kind of turn upside down. When things kind of turn upside down on their head, we, we point to these verses and they're like, oh, it's happening, it's happening, wars and earthquakes and rumors of wars and signs, it's happening, it's coming, the end is near, right? We've, we've heard this many times. I myself have heard these verses used many times to point to kind of the modern day chaos that we see and experience And certainly, we've seen these things happen, right? We have witnessed wars and famine and earthquakes. We've seen these things happen. It doesn't mean that they haven't happened, but it's it's extremely important for us to note that these were very specific things Jesus was talking about to warn the disciples of some things that were going to happen leading up to and following the destruction of the temple. And it was important that his followers were prepared for all of the chaos that was about to ensue for them. We need to respect the historical aspect of these things that did happen, that did take place up until the point that the temple was destroyed and shortly after. If you pause and just kind of carefully sort through and sift through some of those specific things Jesus said, right? Verse 80 talks about being careful of those who come and disguise themselves as the Messiah saying, I am he and the time has come. People did do that. There's historical accounts of people who did come claiming to be the Messiah, He talks about wars and uprisings and nations and kingdoms against one another. Guess what? This describes the political backdrop of Palestine up until the temple was destroyed. If you look at the book of Acts, also we should note Luke wrote Luke and Acts, right? Acts is a follow-up to the gospel of Luke. And it's so incredibly important to remember that if you look throughout the book of Acts, it is filled with stories of Christians being seized and imprisoned and persecuted and martyred. Those things did happen for followers of Jesus. The entire book of Acts is filled with those accounts. Those things did happen. And depending on the posture you took as a faithful Jew, These things greatly impacted and sometimes destroyed familial relationships, as Jesus says in verse 16. So it's important for us to understand that continuing to use these verses for our own speculation, for things that happen in our modern time, we miss the historical reminders that many of these things happened as Jesus said they would, And those things are inextricably connected to the anguish and the devastation that the Jewish nation felt as the temple was seized and destroyed. I I said this a few moments ago, but sometimes I think we, you know, we tend to rush through things in general. And I think we do that with scripture too. And we don't take enough time to sit 
in the weightiness of what Jesus is saying. And, and, and I think it's important for us to take the posture, to try to sympathize and understand what Jesus' words would have meant to a faithful Jew and how, how significant they were. Just take a moment and, and sit with the shock and disbelief as they process Jesus' words. Imagine, sometimes uh, this is helpful and not helpful, and so hopefully you'll, you'll hear me. Sometimes it's helpful for us to think of structures in America that, that we adore, things that, that represent who we are as Americans. Maybe for some it's the White House, maybe it's the Statue of Liberty, maybe it's the Washington Monument or the U.S. Capitol. The point is, is there are structures that, that we in America, that we adore, that we admire, and that we point to and say, this is who we are as a country, and, and that is seen in the glory and splendor of these structures. I think it's helpful for us to understand what it would mean if, if, if those things cease to be, but I also think that there's a danger there because we tend to do this thing where we put a, position ourselves as the nation of Israel, as Americans, and we're not, and, and there should be some separation there. We're not modern-day Israel, right? And so we have to be careful that we don't say that we're on equal ground with the Jewish nation and that, oh, well, this is just as bad as it was for the Jews, right? For the, for the Jews in, in, that we read about in Scripture, because that's not true. The point is to try to help you understand what you would think if a structure that represented everything you are as a nation and as a people of God, if you were to hear that that would no longer exist, that it would be destroyed. Imagine the grief and the devastation. Imagine for a moment Take yourself back to 70 AD when Jerusalem is seized and the temple is destroyed. Can you just imagine the chaos and the grief as Jews and as Jewish Christians, as they watch their city seized and, and their revered, adored temple being destroyed? Can you feel the weightiness as the, as the history, the long heritage and tradition of this structure is ripped away, shattered, and destroyed. I think we ought to sit with that grief and that pain and that devastation for a moment because it's important to what Jesus is saying. It, it, it is really important that you understand the significance of this temple to the Jewish nation because it makes what Jesus says next and all the things that happen later in Scripture that much more significant. Because even though the temple was indeed significant, it was important and highly revered, we discover an important truth when Jesus says it's going to be destroyed. Scholar Walter Brueggemann helps us understand kind of what Jesus is saying. He talks about the first temple. Remember, this is the second temple that has been built. The first one was destroyed. And, and so he refers back to the first one saying, Solomon built the first temple, which completed a vision that David had, but was asked by God not to complete. However, he says Solomon removed the sense of justice and fairness for the people by filling the temple with wealth, with foreign women, and political power. Solomon utilized God for his purposes by instituting a religion of eminence anchored by the economics of affluence and the politics of oppression. 
This became the temple tradition that Jesus lives amongst and is speaking out against even after the first temple was destroyed and the second was built. This is what the temple has come to represent. And so Jesus, if you're paying attention, Jesus has spent his entire ministry, which by the way, we've spent the last 20-something weeks unpacking Jesus has spent his entire ministry condemning the ungodly things that the nation of Israel has long represented and continues in some ways to represent. Jesus has condemned the things that the temple has come to represent. Jesus has come to address things that have long grieved the heart of God as he watched Israel time and time again get further and further away from the heart of God. The temple, yes, serving as the central place for the Jewish nation. And yes, it was beautifully and skillfully built. And yes, it would take hundreds of years to build before it was destroyed. It would now in a moment be torn down, which is unthinkable for a Jew. But would it be painful? Yes. Would it be devastating? Yes. Would the people of God surely experience some kind of disillusionment when the temple is no longer? Yes, absolutely. But the thing that Jesus wants the disciples to understand, and and it speaks true to us, it speaks truth to us today, that God has never, has never, and will never be limited to a structure or a building. He has always been a God who is on the move with God's people. He has always tabernacled with his people or dwelled with, in, and among God's people, and he wasn't finished yet. And what the disciples don't yet maybe know or see or fully understand is that all that would be lost in the destruction of the temple, would be vindicated and restored in ways that they could never imagine through the resurrection of Christ Jesus, our Lord and King. And therefore, the implications shouldn't be lost on us, right? We shouldn't forget, while there is kind of an ominence to some of the things that Jesus says are going to happen, we shouldn't focus so much on those that we lose sight of the other things that Jesus says are going to happen, such as, yes, the temple may be destroyed, but the Spirit of God transcends buildings and structures, and he will now dwell in and among his people in a new and powerful way through the presence of the Holy Spirit, Right? The disciples will stand and testify about the soon-to-be-resurrected King Jesus, and they will continue to depend on his wisdom going where the Spirit sends them, and families will be shaken and hard times will come, but they are called to and they will persevere. We read about, again, a lot of this in the book of Acts. You, gotta, you can't separate what happens in Scripture Right? What Luke talks about in Luke is fulfilled in Acts. And if you stop at Luke and you don't read Acts, you might think, well, that's really depressing. The temple's destroyed, and that just really stinks. But when you carry it on and when you read Scripture as a whole, as it's intended to be read, you recognize like, oh, wait. Oh, all of those things did happen and were fulfilled. Just a little friendly reminder, Right? Don't separate scripture. It's one big story. I, I, speaking of not separating scripture, 
For some reason, I could not get away from the passage that immediately precedes this one. It's the passage of the widow. It's a short passage about a widow. And, and I, I guess I couldn't get away from it because over the years, I've, I've really paid attention when widows are brought up because I've learned that there's something we can learn from widows in Scripture. There's just so many beautiful stories about widows in Scripture. And, and keep in mind, the reason that they are so beautiful and significant is because widows were cast aside, right? They were at the bottom, they, they were on the margins. They were outsiders. And so I love that, that we see attention drawn to widows and their stories. We ought to listen to them and pay attention to them. And so I couldn't get away from this story, this quick little story about a widow. Just really quickly, Jesus sees this widow, right? Or at first he sees all of the rich. They're putting their gifts into the temple treasury. Imagine just offering plate, right? Modern day understanding offering plate. Think offering plate. And, and all the rich are making it known, right? They're giving. That's great. They're giving. They are faithfully giving, which is what we encourage people to do. And so we're not shaming that. They're faithfully giving. And Jesus is watching. He's observing as, as the rich are, are putting in their gifts into the treasury. But then he notices a widow. You know the story, right? And she comes and she places two small copper coins into the treasury And Jesus sees into her and sees and knows. And he says, truly, I tell you, this widow has put in more than all the others. These people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. I know some of you are lost. You're like, wait, what does this have to do? Did this just turn into a sermon on tithing and giving? (laughs) Did she just do that? No, you can calm down. It's not a sermon on tithing or giving. It's really, I'm not even sure that the main thing we're supposed to take away there is her faithful giving, although that's a very important point, and I'm not saying that it's not important, but let's dig a little deeper here. I promise this is going somewhere. See, there's this important connection that that was helped along for me this week by a particular scholar, Craig Keener, right? We know all the rich are putting in their gifts and their money into the treasury, right? It's their giving, And the widow takes all she has and puts it into the treasury. Also, faithful giving. Jesus says very faithful giving because she's giving all that she has. Craig Keener talks about how, and there's a lot of backstory here. I'm happy to explain what I learned about some of it, but just take my word for it. That that he says that the temple officials more than likely would have wasted everything she gave. Because at this point... All the money and the taxing that was received for the temple was just used to make it even more glorious and even more impressive, right? It was no longer about what's being done for God. It was about how great can we make this temple for our own benefits and pleasure so that when people walk by, they'll say, oh, this is so nice, right? And so this widow is giving everything she has and more than likely everything that she's given is going to be used for something completely different than maybe what she anticipated. Think about it in terms of like she was giving to to the building of the children's wing while the temple officials decided, well, we need some more like statues and, and stones in the front to make the front more appealing, right? Think about it in those terms. She's a powerless woman. She had no say over where her money went. She gave all she had, and more than likely it was wasted, and there was nothing she could do about it. 
She was presumably ignorant of the likelihood that her gift would be completely wasted, and yet she gives in good faith anyway. What connects all of this, stay with me, I know, what connects all of this is the passage before that. When Jesus condemns those who devour widows' houses, the rich, who are rich because of people like the widow, right? And he says they devour widows' houses, widows like her, who gave everything she had, and it would be exploited. It would be used for something that was not pleasing to God. It makes everything that we see later in Scripture, in the book of Acts, for instance, all the more significant. Because this is a prime example of what Jesus has been condemning. Are you with me? That was a lot. Are you tracking? This is a prime example of all that Jesus has been condemning throughout this entire series. And this is one more reason why it's necessary for the church to be driven outside the temple. It's necessary that the church, that the people of God no longer identify themselves because of the temple. And if God has to destroy it in order for that message to be received, then that's what he's going to do. And in Acts chapter 4, along with some other things we see in the book of Acts, we get a glimpse of the church looking more like what God wanted it to look like. For instance, in Acts chapter 4, we read things like the believers shared what they had. No money was going to support this beautiful structure, and it was significant. Don't hear me saying the temple wasn't significant. I spent a lot of time telling you how significant it was. But it was no longer about the structure or a building, right? The believers shared what they had, and they testified to the resurrection of the Lord, and God's grace was at work among them, so much so that there were no needy persons in their communities. Money was brought to the church. People still brought their money. They still gave to the church, but it was turned around and given to anyone and everyone who had a need. Finally, It all comes together, and this is what the church is supposed to look like. So as we come to a close, I'm going to invite the praise team to come. I didn't give them enough time last week because I got really excited about my preaching and the sermon and everything, and I didn't give them enough time to get up here all in time. So I don't want to do that today. But as we kind of come to a close, I want to ask us some hard questions, right? Understanding that that this message meant something very specific to its original audience. And while for, for us, we can't fully relate to or understand all of, of those complexities, but we can ask ourselves some hard questions after processing through what we just read. And so I wonder, can we, the church today, but this is also very specific, I think, to, to this church Right? I think this is one of those messages that makes me think about this church and what the spirit of this church is. And so can we, can we as a part of the church today, who do we relate to more in this story? Is it maybe, do we maybe relate more to the disciples or even those who came before them who were fixated on the structure, the building, the bank account? Or do we relate to the church, which Luke goes on to write about in Acts, 
the church that is more concerned with the people in need in their communities, having what they need and knowing Jesus. So I guess the question that we need to continue to wrestle with is what kind of church do we want to be? Maybe an even harder question is what kind of church are we committed to being? We commit it with how we spend our money, how we are accountable for how we spend our money. What kind of church are we committed to being? Jesus talks a lot about the church and and Christians being led astray. And, And while I think that can happen in a number of ways, I think the one that's the hardest for the church is that we are led astray by the latest fads of Christianity. We want what's impressive and popular and looks very appealing. We want our leaders to be celebrities, right? That's kind of the, the, the church in America is kind of wrestling with this. Like, that's how we are often led astray today. So will we be a church who is led astray by kind of that latest fad? And also, I just want to say, let us not forget I think another important reminder here is that the pandemic, among many things, reminded us that we put a lot of money and effort into our buildings. And at any moment, at any given moment, those buildings and structures are no longer what it's about, right? And we were really confronted with that throughout the pandemic. We were reminded that it's about Jesus and loving our neighbor, and that's it. That, friends, that's it. I'm not saying this building is not important. This is a beautiful building. And when people come in and and say, oh, your building is so beautiful. I mean, I say, I had nothing to do with it, but I agree. And I love that we have a building that we are using to serve our community. If we're going to have it, we better be using it to serve our community. And I love that we're doing that. But friends, if it was gone tomorrow, would we still be a church? What would we do? Where would we go? Where would all that money that's sitting in the bank account go? These are the questions we need to wrestle with. What kind of church are we committed to being? Let's pray. God, as we enter into a time of of reflection and response, God, we just open ourselves up to how your Holy Spirit will guide us through this word. And God, if nothing else, may this just be a good reminder of, how, of what kind of faithfulness to which we are called. We're not called to faithfully have the best, most impressive buildings and programs. These are great to have, but first and foremost, we are called to faithfully love and serve Jesus and love and serve our neighbor. And if we aren't faithfully doing those things, then we might be missing everything. And so God, help us to see maybe where we are falling short in some of these ways, in some way. God, would you give us the eyes to see what needs to be stripped away, if anything? God, as we move forward in the life of this church, God, may we May we focus first and foremost on loving and serving you and loving and serving our neighbor. May nothing else get in the way. God, help us not to idolize 
any other part of, of ministry, but help us to keep our eyes on you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can stand with us. We're going to sing. What a beautiful word. When I looked at the passage for this week, I was overwhelmed. Wow, what do you sing after that? So I felt like it's a good opportunity, not even knowing where Nicole was going to go with that sermon. Just it's a great opportunity for us to remember that everything we have, our hope and our life is in the hands of Jesus. And that's if we choose, right, to surrender all. So we're going to sing that. That's what we're going to sing is that, you know, may my life be found in the hands of Christ my King. Amen. We haven't done this one in a while. So again, if you don't remember all the words, that's okay. Just meditate on this truth. Sing along if you can. Just worship from the heart this morning. Amen.
again for your word, God, which is useful and helpful to us in so many ways. God, would you just continue to be with our church here that you have placed here in this very specific place? God, would you just help us to be fixated and focused on being the church you've called us to be? God, as we continue to to follow your vision for our church, would you make clear what that is? God, would you give that vision to, to myself and to the leadership here, God? Would we be able to see that? God, may we never become complacent just doing church the way we've always done it and doing it the way that everybody else does it and, and modeling after those who we deem to be successful. But God, would you just help us to be faithful? Disrupt us when we're not faithful. Wake us up, God. That's a scary, risky thing to pray. I didn't have permission to pray it. But God, I do pray that nothing would keep us from being the faithful church that you've called us to be for this community. May we continue to focus first on loving and serving Jesus and then loving and serving our neighbor. God, go before us. Be the strength and power within us. 
And we give you the glory and the praise for the ways that we anticipate you will move. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We have no audiovisual. Okay. <laughs> I, I am good at understanding what this means. I just read that really well. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask the praise team to be seated, right? They can be seated? Okay. Because uh, we're going to sh- sh- transition here for just a moment. And so if the praise team wants to be seated. Um, last week, we started something different uh, for the month of November. For those of you who weren't here, I shared um, that I wanted to start this new thing where in the month of November, um, I just wanted to take an opportunity to recognize people who are a crucial part um, of the ministry here at BFCN. And I just wanted to take a moment to recognize and thank people who serve and love like Jesus. And as a pastor, those people who do that, and the truth is a lot of you do that in a lot of ways, But as a pastor, you just realize that there are some people who are just so crucial and and what they do is so helpful and it makes your job just a little bit easier. And so that's kind of who I wanted to thank. And then I shared it with Nikki and she's like, well, I want to do that too because I feel the same way about leading worship. And so we kind of together decided that we just wanted to take some time to recognize. And so last week, Miss Marcella had the whole show to herself because she deserved that, right? And that was such a beautiful turnout of support and appreciation from you all from the church. And so we were so thankful for her and all the years she has served in the nursery. And today I just want to take a moment and recognize and thank um, all of the people who serve in Kid City, who faithfully serve our kids each and every week so that when they come to church, they know that they are gonna come and they're gonna be taught and loved by teachers who teach and love well. And, and I see that uniquely as a pastor and as a mom. I see my kids come home and they just are so loved and they appreciate their teachers and it just makes my heart swell. And so this morning, I'm gonna call some people up and they're gonna hate it. Everyone hates this. Nobody really loves the recognition most of the time, but you have to come up here, okay, Stu? So Stu, Leach, please come up here. And Lynn is, oh, yes, okay, sorry. I'm not a very good um, person who's working to make sure the online people can see us. I don't always do that well. So Stu, Lynn is not up here, correct? She downstairs? Okay. Stu is also going to represent Lynn this morning, okay? And I'd like Sherry, uh, Sherry, I'm I'm combining your names, Shelly and Larry. That's your new couple name, Sherry. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's ridiculous how much I mix up like words and names. It's crazy. All right, Larry and Shelly. It's too many words. I've hit my max. Um, Carol Parcell is not here today. I would make Greg come stand in for her, but I don't know where he is. He's always running around doing something. But um, Carol Parcell, if you're watching at home, we need you to be standing right here, okay? Um, Adam and Dawn. I only see Dawn this morning. I guess Adam's not here, so she's going to fill in for Adam, too. And um, Joan. I don't think Joan's here, right, Jim? No, Joan? Okay. Well, I just want to thank all of these folks in just a moment. Um, Each of them just means a lot. And and I know that people like Larry and Stu have been teaching our kids Sunday school class for years. For years. This is not something new. They've been doing this for years. And they deserve to be recognized and appreciated for that because it's a lot to show up every week, year after year after year. And for some, it feels like years after years. And yet they faithfully show up and they teach well 
They, they find creative ways to communicate to kids who are, it's hard to keep their attention these days, and these guys do it so well. So I want to say thank you to Stu and to Larry for faithfully serving in our Sunday school class every single week. They, they take turns doing that, and so I wanted to say thank you. To Lynn, too, who is downstairs serving toddlers right now. Um, this is for Stu and Lynn because she has taught toddler Sunday school class every week for years and years and years. And then some weeks, since we don't have a toddler class at this moment, she stays down there sometimes just to continue on so that she doesn't have to send the toddlers or the preschoolers up here. And so we thank you, Lynn, as well. And, and Larry, this is yours and Shelly. So I want to transition now to focusing on those who have just more recently, since I've been here, stepped in to fill in the vacancy for Kid City. So that's Sunday morning worship hour, uh, Children's Church, right? 10.30. And, and this, was, um, this was kind of started by Dawn, who before I ever even got here said, we need something for our kids now that we're meeting again. And so she stepped in and said, I'll do that. And just so you understand how big of a commitment that is, Dawn watches kids in her home every day of the week. She's a full-time childcare worker. And so the fact that she is willing to step in on Sundays at that point, every single Sunday to serve our kids is a big deal. That's a huge labor of love. And then Adam stepped in and supported her and now teaches once a week. And then after we kind of said, hey, we need some help. We need some help. Don needs some relief. We need some help. And that's when Shelly and Carol stepped up to the plate. Shelly, your card's in there with Larry and Don. That's for you and Adam. Um, I just want to say a huge thank you to you guys. Seriously. I know, I know that that you don't do it because of, you don't do it for this. I know that. And I know that later you'll say, you don't have to do that. That wasn't necessary. But seriously, you guys mean a huge deal to our kids, and it's so important to me, and I just appreciate you so much. So thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. And to those who weren't here. All right. It's all you, Nikki. Thank you guys for doing that so I don't have to. I'm just kidding. Um, we love our kids. You guys are awesome. I just want to say that this was really hard for me because I am like, oh, I don't want to leave anyone out, and there's so many people, and everyone is wonderful. So I just want to right out the bat say, here's what I don't want anyone to feel. Like, if you're not being acknowledged or if you're not serving right now, that you need to feel ashamed. That's not what we're doing. Okay, so if that's that, let's just check your shame at the door. Not welcome here anymore. You know that song? All right, let's leave that behind. Praise God for the people that we have that serve really faithfully. Everyone who serves is such a blessing to this church. We are a very blessed community, so I just want to acknowledge that. And for those of you who do serve, thank you so much. It's a huge blessing to everyone, but especially the leadership, because we can't do it all, right? So... Um, I wanted to take uh, focus for each week. This week, I just want to acknowledge our audio and visual. So really funny that we had like a glitch out that happened today because there's actually a great opportunity for you guys to recognize and remember that they're back there and they're normally really on it. So you now see the value of what they're doing because when you don't have that, it's like, whoa, what's happening? I don't know the words to this song. So pretty funny that that happened, but you know, I'm just going to go with it. 
that's our way of knowing, yeah, you miss them when they're not here. Like, we, we would be in trouble. So I am going to make you guys come up here, even though you're back there doing stuff. Jim and Jeremy, could you please come up here? They like to sit in the back, so, I mean, maybe don't look at them. I don't know. Just do it. Come on. It's all right. It, nothing's going to blow up if you walk away for a second. We're Give all going to be waiting until you come, so. Yes. You don't get lunch until you come up here. I just want to say, if you don't know, because maybe you guys don't know, it seems like, how could you not? But if, if you didn't know, uh, Jim does a million gazillion things behind the scenes. All the stuff that you see here, a lot of the stuff that you see online, he's a very skilled and talented person. Jeremy, you've really stepped up and helped us when we really needed help. Jim needed some help, right, Jim? Yes. And so we're really grateful. We're thankful. These guys are usually here every week. They come here for practices. When there's rehearsals, they have to be here to run the sound. So it's a huge, huge blessing. Anyone who is interested in helping with the sound, here's your guys. Come and talk to them because they need some help. But we're so grateful for you guys. I'm really thankful for you, Zach, too. I see you back there, and you're here helping out. And I'm really thankful for all the people that are stepping into that. But I just want to acknowledge these guys because they're here, like, every week, all the time. They're here serving. So thank you guys so much. We really would not literally be able to do this without you. Yeah, literally. We're, we're not just using that word as millennials do, like just casually. <laughs> literally for real. Yes. All right. Well, um, do we have the video then for the thanks offering? Yes. Okay. So we're good to go. So um, I'm going to tell you more about the, the thank offering opportunities in just a moment, but this video is going to be helpful as we understand more about what that is. So we'll go ahead and play that. Movement of God through the people of God. This movement is funded through the generous, sacrificial giving of people and churches throughout the world. World Evangelism Giving is the foundation for discovering, developing, and resourcing our missions organization and has enabled the Church of the Nazarene to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to unreached people and places. It is the cornerstone of our denomination's missional funding, with the largest portion of giving going to missions work in the Nazarene regions. These funds enable the regions to effectively implement church planting and discipleship strategies through local churches and ministries. Every church and individual in our denomination participates with their financial contributions to world evangelism, binding us together with a unified purpose and vision. Because of your giving, the Church of the Nazarene is able to develop and sustain worldwide communication, technology support, and new mission programs. All Nazarene missionaries, regardless of deployment status, benefit from the mission's foundation created by World Evangelism Giving. Each missionary receives support, such as funding, insurance, and missionary care. Nazarene Missions International, Nazarene Youth International, Work and Witness, Global Missions, and many other ministries are supported by World Evangelism Giving. Independently funded ministries like Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, Jesus Film Harvest Partners, and World Mission Broadcast also benefit from the infrastructure it sustains. Through your giving, new churches worldwide are able to make an impact in their community. Those funds also train and equip pastors and church leaders in these churches. Pastors like Rafi, who fulfilled his call to ministry after escaping war-torn Syria, 
Today, Rafi and his mother Lena have started two Arabic-speaking churches in Poland. Your giving funds clergy development and ordination in the Church of the Nazarene and makes holiness education available worldwide through Nazarene institutions of higher education. Your giving provides resources and literature in more than 90 languages to churches all over the world. This includes resources for pastors and Bible-based teaching materials for children, youth, and adults. Because of your giving, schools like the Armstrong Primary School in Côte d'Ivoire are impacting their community. School children are being taught Christian values, and the students and their families are being reached for the Lord. In Mark 12, we see the beautiful example of a widow giving abundantly. Jesus calls his disciples and points her out as the one who gave the most, because she gave all. Our focus is not on how much we give. We give because we believe in a missional God who is at work through our Nazarene missionaries, reaching places and people we can't even imagine. We believe in a God who moves, and that belief, deeply seated in our hearts, moves us to give. We are a global church, a generous church, participating in the transformational love of Jesus Christ in our local communities. Together, through our world evangelism giving, we share Christ's love with the world. So I won't rehash everything that they just covered. Hopefully that helps you understand a little bit more about uh, what this offering supports. And so uh, we typically take this offering or receive this offering two times a year, Thanksgiving and Easter. Um, and so this is kind of wrapping up like our commitment for, for this year and, and kind of meeting that goal um, to fund the mission. And so this is um, just such a... I love how they said, they remind us that we are a global church, right? We are much bigger than this right here. And so um, everything you give goes to supporting those who are, who are uh, evangelizing and, and working all around the world. And so uh, if you have any more questions, though, you can let us know. We're going to be receiving that all month long. Um, we kind of moved away from just the one Sunday a month. We want to give you that opportunity all, all month of November. You can uh, give to that kind of like we do with the alabaster um, offering now. So um, if just have that in your mind. Be praying about uh, what the Lord might encourage you to give, okay? Um, all right, so we've got a lot going on at the moment, a lot to announce, so bear with me. You're going to need the entire afternoon to process all of these things happening today. Um, so just bear with me for a moment. So Advent, as I mentioned earlier, is right around the corner. Um, we're going to be doing a few things to prepare for, for the season of Advent. And so if you are interested in purchasing a devotional that kind of goes along with the sermon uh, series for the Advent season, you can do so by seeing Karen and those books are $6 each, um, and that's just helpful as we walk through that season together, reading the word each day uh, throughout the Advent season together. Um, kind of skipping around here, sorry about that, you guys, but along with, off, with, with preparing for Advent, um, we're going to plan to decorate the church for the Christmas season on Sunday, November 20th. That's next Sunday um, at, at 5.30 p.m. Um, so that way when we come back from Thanksgiving for Sunday of Advent, 
the church is ready and decorated. So if you're willing to come out and help us with that, uh, please do so. It only took us, I want to say like an hour or so last year, maybe a little over, but it didn't take long. We had a lot of support, a lot of people. So that's just a fun time um, where we can come and do that together. So all are invited and welcome and appreciated. Uh, We thank you guys for helping us with that. Uh, Restore Network Christmas party is happening in um, December. I think it's like a little over a month away at this point. And part of our partnership with the Restore Network is not only encouraging you to volunteer and, and support the Restore events by volunteering for the Christmas party, which you can do that. We strongly encourage you to do that. Um, you can either sign up to help decorate the day before, or you can sign up to help volunteer at the event. But also, BFCN has the unique opportunity to gather um, gift cards that are given to families at the Christmas party. So I believe we are the only church that does that. And so it's kind of a big, a tall order. Uh, we're asking for for 70 gift cards. These are $25 gift cards to restaurants, okay? And and we're we're shooting for 70. So last year, you guys really showed up. I think we had like 63 or 65, something like that. We were just a few short. So let's like blow it out of the water this year. Although don't get too crazy because if we have extras, they don't ever know like what to do with the extras. So um, we'll kind of keep you posted on how many we have, but um, you have until December 4th to bring those gift cards, okay? So I'm just putting that out there for you. Um, we have men's breakfast meeting this Saturday, this coming Saturday at 8 a.m. That'll be in the fellowship hall. Um, lunch bunch is going to be November 30th at Easy Buffet. That's at noon. And I missed a Christmas announcement along with the, all the other ones. Um, we are going to be having a Christmas choir this year. And so we are going to be practicing uh, from now until that Christmas Sunday. And so um, if you are interested in participating in the BFC and Christmas choir, those practices will begin this Thursday, uh, November 17th at, I believe, 6 p.m. Um, so if you are interested, I think there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer from what I understand, so let us know. Sign up if you are interested in participating with that, and I think that is everything. <laughs> oh, bake sale. Next week? Right now! Surprise! <laughs> there's a bake sale. That is the best surprise of my life. I love it when there's a bake sale. So um, that and that that is all done by Tina, who so graciously bakes a bunch of delicious things. And I just can't tell you how good her desserts are. They are just on another level. Um, you will not be disappointed. And that money all goes, just in case you're wondering, she so graciously gives 100% of that to our benevolence fund. So that if a family has a need in our midst, we are able to meet that need through the Benevolence Fund that Tina so graciously helps us to take care of. Okay, with that, I think we're done. Anybody else got anything? No, I'm just kidding. All right, uh, I'm going to invite you to stand at this time. Thank you for bearing with us today. There was a lot packed in there. Take a deep breath. Friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, may you go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior. May you know that you are loved and that you are called to love and serve your neighbor as yourself. Go in his grace. You're dismissed. Have a great day. Stay warm.